Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is TV Take, Variety's television podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. This week, Senior Features Editor Danielle Terciano talks with David Farr, executive producer of Amazon's Hannah. Later, we'll talk with reporter Will Thorne about the latest in the case against Empire star Jussie Smollett, who has been accused of staging a hate crime. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to TV Take, Variety's television podcast. I'm Danielle Terciano, Senior Features Editor of Television. And today on the podcast, we are joined by Hannah Ryder and Executive Producer David Farr. Welcome, David. Thank you. Hi. So, Hannah obviously comes adapted from the feature film. But you've been talking a lot about how it's it's a coming-of-age story, like obviously beyond the genre elements and obviously much further beyond the two hours of the film. So tell me a little bit about the balance of this girl we meet in the woods. She has a very specific way of life. We're going to get to know her. How much of that is her inner life? How much of that is her external challenges that she's faced with when she's faced with the modern world? Yeah, I mean, the the whole challenge of, of writing Hannah has always been the intermingling of the personal and the thriller elements. So I see them as deeply intertwined. I don't, I don't think, really think of them as two completely separate things, but you're right in, in saying that there is a balance that one, that one needs to strike. The, the the journey of Hannah is a journey of identity. Who is she? That's that's what she sets out to find out when she leaves that forest. It's it's who am I? And there, and in a way, there's a thriller element, element mm-hmm. to that because people have been keeping her identity from her uh, with good reason, and they don't want her to find out, and they're prepared to kill her to stop her finding out. There's also then, the, as you correctly said, you know, there's the coming of age element to that, which is who am I? I am a young teenager. I've just had my period, essentially. I'm, I'm, I'm developing into mm-hmm. that part of my life. I'm an adolescent woman. I suddenly ask questions I've never asked before. Has my father told me the entire truth about who I am? Like all parents, has he given me a version of the truth that would, is suitable to him? And therefore, those two journeys are kind of, they are intermingled all the way through. So, and what I like about when I write this, when I write it, I really enjoy that sense that you, you sort of move in and out of the personal and the far more energized political mm-hmm. thriller action stuff. So in speaking to her age, you know, w- was there ever when you're when you're um conceptualizing the show were there ever considerations for how old she would be? Was it always this age in order to she be was, able to tell these these types of stories? She was all yeah, she was always a teenager and I always felt she needed to be a teenager around we sort of were a little vague with it. Uh, around sort of 14, 15. Mm-hmm. I think we've ended up with her about being 15, okay. I think is kind of what we feel she is. I'm not sure it's ever really said, um, but I think that's essentially what, what, what it is. The reason for that is that, that she's not a Stranger Things kid. She's not at that level. I think that's it. And that's interesting to me. She's she's developed beyond that. She's, she's becoming an adult. She's mm-hmm. on that cusp of adulthood, which we all remember as being the most difficult and exciting, but also somewhat tortuous period of our life. Uh, and and therefore, she's she's capable of understanding 
adult themes in a way, but she hasn't quite got there yet. Plus, she has spent her entire life in a forest, which means that she knows nothing of the world. So although she is physically extraordinary, because he's trained there and because she has seems to have some inherent gifts as well that are not fully understood or explained at the beginning, um, she's emotionally, in some senses, very naive. And that mixture is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the fact you get a kind of a kind of strange purity to her in terms of her reaction to the world. She doesn't really know much. Um, does that mean she will trust too much? Sometimes, yes. Or possibly she will trust not at all because the, her father has warned her that, that people are highly dangerous and not to be trusted. So she has quite black and white mm-hmm. um, views of the world, which need to be challenged. And what what the real world does when she goes into it, particularly her friendship with her this young girl, Sophie, who's her, kind of like her her mirror image, if you like, yeah. is suddenly all those very, very clear, stark realities that father taught her are blurred and confused and compromised. And in that way, it is just like any teenage story. It's just it's writ large because of the high stakes involved. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I mean, most teenagers, I don't think, have people chasing them, trying to kill them, I hope. But in our, <laughs> kind of in our private imaginations, we true. feel like that, don't it we? Feels us like against that. the world. I mean, it's that, true. that yeah. theme. Yeah, like, us it's against just the literal. World. Yeah, everyone had to get me. Everyone, everyone wants to kill me. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling. With her case, it's just literally true. So what were the challenges of finding an actress... A 50, I mean, 14, 15 is a hard age in general, but to find an actress who can embody all of these things emotionally and then be able to do the physicality. Absolutely. We spent a long time looking. Um, we looked in five or six different countries in Europe, obviously. Mostly, actually, we looked in England, Sweden, Denmark, Germany. Um, we thought, because she is, she is her father is, is, a, is a German, an East German, and therefore, with the accent, we felt, OK, we'll go there. But actually, Esme self-taped. Um, she lives in London, but she self-taped. And she she has a, an incredible ear. It's mm-hmm. a, some actors just have this. It's this weird ear where they can they can take on a language or an accent. And you genuinely believe they've spoken it all their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, others just don't have that and they have to learn it. So uh, she had it. She had, therefore, in a sense, through that ear, she had access to this, to the character. And then she just has the most wonderfully vulnerable pure face she doesn't she, her acting style is very economic mm. doesn't do an awful lot it's very simple but you are you gain the camera gains instant access i think to her emotional world very quickly uh and, and that mixture is it's quite captivating uh the physical stuff comes secondary for me mm-hmm. you know you can train people and actors are really really hard working she certainly is extremely hard working so she's trained really hard for it um, and she got lots of help from very, very talented people. Uh, so, and then it's extraordinary. And what she does very brilliantly, I think, is she commits to the action emotionally. And that's what's exciting to watch. So it means there are certain things you can do in, in one take. Mm-hmm. And you know it's her. Some things are just too dangerous. And you know, sure, that's yeah. like anything. Um, uh, and, and, but she does an awful lot of it. And you can see that. It's very yeah. obvious when you watch it. I mean, obviously, because this is a longer form version of the story than the film was, I mean, you have to go deeper with not just the character of Hannah, but the other characters around her. So how much did that come into play with casting in terms of, well, we want to do something that's beyond the film, so we maybe need an actor who brings something very different than the original, quote unquote? In a way, I mean, I think the actors in the original are capable of going Sure, in different of directions, course, of course but, they are. But I think it does. It definitely affected everything we we, we wanted to do. The, the reason I wanted to do the whole thing was because the film only did a slice of the story yeah. and a slice of it, and I wanted to go much further. I wanted to tell them the, the full story and, and go deeper. And 
I therefore, of course, as you say, you know, you start to think about character arcs in a different way. You ex- you're exploring the journey of a character over much more time. So, for example, Mireille Enos was mm-hmm. wonderfully happy to start Marissa quite quiet. The whole point of Marissa is she has now become, uh, in, the, in the TV series, a rather ordinary woman in a way. Um, she still works in the intelligence sphere, but it's by no means high jeopardy stuff. Uh, and she's got a, a boyfriend and he's got a son, not hers, but she's mm-hmm. become a kind of surrogate mother to that. She has a life. Yeah. And then Hannah comes out of the forest. That's her past, her deep, deep, dark secret. And it destroys all of that. And so she goes hunting that past in order to eliminate it. Now, that story is wonderful. And if you start that and you slowly and give it that space and time, as someone with the skill that Marais has, she's mm-hmm. just the most wonderfully intelligent actress, then the effect of when it finally gets to those those more acute and intense moments I think the the effect on the viewer is just much stronger Mm -hmm. because you've sort of gone on that journey with the actress and with the character you're not shortcutting anything Uh, and the same is kind of true actually of Eric who Joel Kinman plays with I've loved watching Joel do the role because Joel's done a lot of actions we know and he's a big guy and he can do that stuff he can do that stuff so well but here we see a very different side we see a father Mm -hmm. we see a very vulnerable man haunted by his past too the whole piece is about people who are haunted by the past uh and he does it with such a gentleness a surprising gentleness i think people will find that um revealing of him really i think it's it might be i mean really one of the one of the most lovely things about it is watching him delve into a kind of sweetness and deep yeah deep fears that the character has and he's not been afraid to go there uh, and the complexity of course of being a father which which i mean i'm a i'm a dad of two daughters i'm sure that was somewhat influential <laughs> and i think it does it i think the piece hopefully talks to 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 young people mm-hmm. of course i mean that's its primary it really does talk to young to young people about what it's like and we all remember that but it also talks to parents and how mm-hmm. the lies we tell our kids and the versions of truths we tell our kids and how that comes back to haunt us i mean what i found really interesting is you've called them kind of a dysfunctional family is there a sense in saying that that you hope the audience almost roots for them to find a way back to each other? I think you, what you want is, yes, in some senses, yes. What you want is there's been such violence in the past, and it's very clear in this story. Yeah. From the, I mean, we see that from the moment one. Yeah. We see that there's a ter- tremendous, brutal violence in the past of this story. And what, you, what we seek, I think, and hope for is reconciliation and redemption for those characters. Now, whether that literally is embodied in each other. Okay. That's for the story to, to reveal. Okay. But um, but it, that's what I think is deep and inherent in that in that narrative. Mm-hmm. And there's something about forests, isn't there? Forests are the home <laughs> of fairy tales, obviously. Yeah. And although we're not giving it the fairy tale treatment in the way the film did, it it, it remains true to that form that this girl buries, is buried away in a, in a forest and comes out into the world. So that's going to be a reckoning. It's going to be a reckoning for everyone mm-hmm. involved. Structurally, you know, you mentioned obviously um, Marissa's secrets buried in the past, and, and to a degree, Hannah doesn't really know a lot about her own past. How much is it, imp- it was it important for you to flashback consistently through every episode and tell the story that way, so that sometimes the audience is ahead of Hannah versus learning with Hannah? We do a mixture. Um, is the honest truth to that? Mm-hmm. We don't flashback that much. We do it, um, I do it very judiciously and when it's really needed. And I'm, sometimes it's quite surprising. Uh, so there's not as much as you might think. Um, but we, when, when we do it, it's actually often through either through memory of Eric or through the discovery of Hannah of certain things. 
And then it's exciting, I think, to go back to that other world. It's exciting partly to see the actors, to see Joel and Murray yeah. playing such different versions of themselves, which they do with great skill. That's, I think, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that. Uh, but then, of course, it's also enjoyable to suddenly see into a very, very different world. We should say, I suppose, that the piece is really very much set in Europe, but it's sort yeah. of set in two Europes. There's the modern Europe, that it's, which is the present day, which is, you know, up the world we all live in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marissa's Paris is rather nice and very much like anyone's, you know, nice city. Um, but the past is a, is a tough and brutal place, this Eastern European place where it all began. Mm-hmm. And there's some sense of this, which you, get, you see in the very beginning of episode one. And that toughness, I think... That melancholic harshness is quite monochrome, beautifully shot by Sarah Dina Smith in the in the first episode. Um, that that I think haunts the whole story. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's a Hannah's a the child of that past. Yeah. Now, when you say that some of those flashbacks are told through the memories, how true are they then? Are they skewed by someone's perspective, or should we trust everything we see? It's a it's a very <laughs> it's a very good but leading question. I yes, have to be careful <laughs> uh, not to spoil my story. Um, they are they are truths, but they are sometimes versions of truths or perspectives on truths, mm-hmm. like all memories are. I don't think they're willful misrepresentations, but memories are by nature subjective, and they certainly don't tell the whole truth of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that an opportunity for you to kind of peel back more layers of characters and, and get into different heads? Like, what's the excitement of, of... The excitement is absolutely that, and the excitement is also to sometimes... We do a very simple thing with, with Marissa's character, for example. We show her in the past... And then we show her in the present, and we don't tell anyone what anything, what anything about in between. But they're very, very different mm-hmm. people in every way. Uh, Murray very much enjoyed that. Uh, I think that creates tension. That creates an inst- that creates questions. Mm-hmm. You know, how, what happened? Uh, so I and I enjoy that kind of storytelling. I think it's it's exciting. You want some suspense. You want some questions in your head when you're watching anything, any story. I mean, obviously, uh, saying all of these things about questions brings up the answers in the sense of how many answers can we get by the end of the season? I mean, does Hannah, can Hannah have all the answers or maybe is that too fast? Is that not earned by the end of the season? Well, I'm not a fan of shows that say they're going to give you something and end up giving you absolutely nothing because I feel that's a little bit of a cheat so I think you get quite a lot and I I think it's rewarding in that regard Mm -hmm. but the way life is you answer some questions but open up more Mm -hmm. because the discoveries that you make open up bigger questions and I think that's more the sort of story that we're telling here so that there there then are other questions that potentially future future stories can be told how changed do you feel like Hannah is by the end of the season, by the things that she is learning, and, and simply, honestly, by the fact that she's older, and as we talked about earlier, she's coming of age and being faced with things that she didn't know existed. I think she's transformed. Uh, time is not the issue. I don't think time's ever the issue in drama. Um, I used to direct Shakespeare, and he used mm. to cheat on time all the time. <laughs> and I used to think, oh, it's brilliant; it doesn't matter at all. You know, he just didn't care. Yeah. Because we we don't watch it like that. We watch it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so what I think it is about is about the, the, tra- the inner transformation mm-hmm. she goes through. She's been through in an intense period of time an unbelievable number of very intense experiences. Some of which are life and death thriller experiences. Other others are, 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 are emotional, sexual, familial, very personal, deeply wounding. She's completely transformed. But what's lovely is there's still a whole lot more mm-hmm. for her to discover and, and, and to, about herself and about the world she lives in. So she is, for me, just the most rewarding character I've written because she just is endlessly full of potential. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you hope 
the show stirs in people in terms of conversations? I think profoundly it's a very emotional show uh, about family and about being young. I think it's very romantic, not in the sense of being about boy meets girl romance, but about the romance within us and our desires for freedom and for who we could be and who are we and our relationship with the world. I think being young at the moment, and I, as I said, I have two teenage mm-hmm. daughters myself, being young is tough. Uh, it's tough in a way that's very hard to understand, but it's full of anxiety and uncertainty about identity, who people, who we are. And I think Hannah in some way becomes an every woman for that. She she becomes some sort of, even though she's utterly odd in most <laughs> ways, but she does for some reason become a bit totemic in mm. terms of her her journey is a journey we can all all understand and appreciate and if you're if you're sort of 17 16 17 18 and going through those sort of troubles which are prevalent at the moment mm-hmm. it seems to me then i think hannah's strangeness is liberating the fact she can beat the hell out of yeah, everyone is, is very liberating yeah. particularly if you're a young woman um but her vulnerabilities are universal uh her relationships with her friends that she finds particularly sophie wonderful played by Rianne Barreto, that's something that everyone can tap into. So those mixtures of her specialness, but also her universality is something that I I hope taps into people's emotions. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. On March 26th, the Illinois state attorney dropped all charges against Jesse Smollett, who had been facing prosecution for falsely reporting a hate crime. We talked with Variety reporter Will Thorne. So, Will, what is the latest in the Jesse Smollett case? So this morning, uh, the president uh, tweeted... Of the United States? The president of the United States. Wow. Yeah, he, he came out and, uh, and tweeted, as he's, as he's wont to do, uh, that he will have the FBI and the Department of Justice further investigate uh, the Smollett case. Obviously, that's to be taken with a, with a grain of salt. But uh, already there is an FBI investigation pending on whether Smollett sent hate mail to himself at the show at, at Empire. And for me, I think that's what Fox has to, has the most to worry about now, really, because now that the charges, the charges uh, have been dropped against Smollett on Tuesday, uh, the Cook County's attorney's office came out and dropped those charges. They have less to worry about that and more to worry about the FBI investigation and the court of public opinion and the authority figures such as the president and uh, the Chicago mayor, Rahm Emanuel, who's also come out very, very strongly condemning the way that the investigation was carried out and calling this a whole disgrace uh, that Smollett has brought upon the city of Chicago. Trump and Rahm Emanuel, weirdly, on the same side of mm-hmm. an issue. That's, yeah. uh, that, those are the times we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's backtrack. As we know, Jesse Smollett had been facing prosecution for allegedly falsely reporting a hate crime, correct? Uh, it said that he had been attacked and beaten by two men who poured bleach on him uh who shouted slurs at him correct and who uh who shouted uh the president's uh campaign slogan maga make make america great again that's mm-hmm. correct yeah and then uh and then on tuesday those charges were dropped what what happened on tuesday exactly so on tuesday morning the uh cook county's attorney's office which is where the whole case was being uh, was taking place uh, came out and, and, and announced they were dropping all the charges against him. Now, immediately, um, Smollett's lawyer and Smollett and, the, and his family and the whole, his whole camp came out and, and said this was a triumph of justice and basically said that he'd been vindicated and completely acquitted and that's it, case closed, end of story. 
Um, but then the Cook County's attorney's office then quickly sought to clarify precisely why they dropped all the charges. And basically it was partly to do, partly taking into account Smollett's um, uh, charity work and his, his work in the community. And so they had said that he's, you know, an important, valuable member of the community. And partly because he was willing to uh, pay this $10,000 bond to the city of Chicago. And um, from what I hear, it was also partly because they just don't have the time to investigate the case. And so they, they said that the, all the charges, they stood behind all the charges and they stood behind the way that the case had been investigated and the way that they'd carried out the prosecution of the case. But they said that given that he, you know, they still believe that he faked this hate crime, they don't really have the time or the resources to investigate fake hate crimes. And so they'd rather focus on real hate crimes. That's kind of the the way that they reacted to this sort of triumphant, um, you know, declaration from Smollett and his lawyers. Mm-hmm. Now, Disney owned 20th Century Fox Television, recently acquired by the Walt Disney Company, produces this show. How did they respond to the news that uh, the charges have been dropped? So they, uh, 20th Century Fox released a brief statement saying that they were, um, they were gratified uh, that Smollett had been, that all the charges had been dropped and, and sort of, and reiterated that he'd maintained his innocence throughout, and so they were gratified that the that this 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 had been dropped. Obviously, they haven't announced anything to do with or haven't announced anything around whether Smollett will return to Empire. We don't know necessarily whether Empire, the show itself, will return. It seems pretty likely that it'll be renewed for for a sixth season. Uh, but again, as you hinted there, the 20th Century Fox TV has, was you know part of the Disney merger, and so there's the possibility that Disney could turn around and say, even though Fox the network would love for Empire to continue and will most likely renew it for six season. Disney themselves could turn around and say, well, you know, all of this stuff is kind of against our company policy. It's the show's become too controversial. Smollett returning to the show's become too sort of poisonous and too against the sort of clean and neat and family friendly, um, you know, policies that Disney tend to, you know, you know, base their decisions around. So it's a possibility that they could, they could cut the show, cut him from, from the show based on that. And, uh, as you said, cut him from the show, potentially cut the show. Um, Although that seems probably unlikely, I would say. And this is a guy who is facing now potentially it's a, or FBI an FBI investigation. Like, this is not settled. So the use of the word gratified is uh, in that statement is fairly interesting, right? They were pretty quick on the draw with that statement on Tuesday. They were pretty quick. And it, it, I mean, that statement seems to, to me, to I, I would interpret that as saying the door is open for his return to the show. Right. Um, the Certainly the Taraji P. Henson, his co-star on the show, was also very quick to to sort of, to, to you know, pronounce this case, pronounce the case closed and to, to say that she's so happy that the truth has finally come out. Uh, and so, and the, the Empire writers uh, also tweeted from their official account, um, you know, about basically also hinting that they're excited for Smollett to return to the show and excited for the show to return, you know, in the future. So there's the Fox is kind of left in a real bind there because on the one hand they've got all this well of support for Smollett and for the show, and and a well of support also on social media from quite prominent members of the entertainment industry. People like Ava DuVernay coming out and saying, well, you know, they, she never really believed the Chicago Police Department all along because of their checkered history in dealing with um, with hate crimes, with 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 race, race related issues in general. So they, they have that on the one hand. So there's that. But then on the other hand, they also have the you know authority figures in the president, in the Chicago Police Department and in the mayor of Chicago saying that the case isn't an o- the case isn't over. 
the the you know he's guilty basically they're still saying that what he he staged you know this hate crime and he and then the FBI investigation about the the letters that he supposedly allegedly sent himself is also pending so they're in a bit of a sticky situation as to how to deal with it right now so no resolution whatsoever this week um not that i can see i mean i spoke to some crisis management experts on the subject and they said the best policy would probably be to wait um simply i mean wait, i mean if if they renew the show an inside source that I spoke to said that they couldn't see the show. Fox said they couldn't see the show being renewed like without him. I mean, they're, they're going to renew the show most likely, and then if they do that, then they, he can't really see them cutting Smollett out of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I mean, probably the most sound policy for Fox would just be to wait until the FBI investigation has probably gone away. I mean, I, I I'd be surprised if the F- FBI really went that in depth into this case and really gave it that much time, even though the president's called for them to do so. Um, the president and the FBI don't always see eye to eye. Correct, um, famously, and uh, and so I, I think they should honestly just just wait and, and maybe wait until to renew the season until renew it for season six until the last second, and then hopefully by then the FBI case is blown away and they can get away with uh, with just putting him back into the show and you know, oh we'll go back to normal in the Empire world, but that seems unlikely. Well, we'll see. Will, thank you. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend executive producer Aline Brosh McKenna. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.